What's up, buds? Welcome to The Screened Podcast. My name is Ryan Leacock. Today, we have our first deep dive film podcast. My oldest friend, Nelson Dunk, and I dive into Christopher Guest's A Mighty Wind. I am really proud of this episode. This is how I want to talk about movies. If you're expecting a scene-by-scene breakdown of the film, go listen to the Rewatchables. They do a great job of that. Films are art, and art is life. Nelson and I really dig into this movie, but we also use it to talk about other works of art, our own lives, and life in general. Great movies should inspire those types of conversations, and this is what we captured here. So enjoy A Mighty Wind with Nelson and Ryan. So what are you saying about um, about this movie and then trilogy or well it just kind of because uh, when I was watching it it kind of felt like um, it's been a while but yeah. it's hard for me to separate um, A Mighty Wind which I, I was trying to remember I think was the first Christopher Guest movie I saw I'm okay. pretty sure but then I pretty quickly after that saw When You Forgot From An Investment Show okay and I kind of I know he did other things after that but I kind of see those three as like in my head they all go together because yeah. they're all I mean, all those movies are in the same line, but they all, to me, seem to be like like spiritual sequels almost to yeah. each other, right? Yeah. Um, I found myself thinking about them sort of all tying together, but but it had been a long time since I saw it. Yeah. Like, a, I don't even remember the last time I saw it. No, me neither. It's It's been a while. So it was um, really nice to watch again. Well, the reason I wanted to do Mighty Wind is because I do have this distinct memory of that, of us being teenagers... And you had the poster in your room, and yep. you had to cut it in half. I'd cut it in half. Yeah, it was on your. <laughs> we didn't have any more room for posters in your room, and so we put it on your closet. Oh, and for the yeah. closet to open, we had to like cut it <laughs> in half because it was like the one of the folding ones. Yeah, yeah. Did you get my message today? No. About dashboard. Yes. Oh I yes, did. yes, yes. You oh, exploded man. your head. I am yeah. totally up for that. I've literally not used that little, like, little memoji with the head explode ever. And it was like the perfect one. Oh, man. I'm glad I got to be your first. <laughs> um, well, I was excited about it, too, because there's like, like, there's probably five movies that I feel like, in a weird way, like, defined my being a teenager. And more so, like, really introduced me to, like, what movies are outside of just just main, the mainstream which yeah um and that's one of them for sure yeah where i was like what i remember watching and being like what am i watching who are these people and like i had seen eugene levy before and Catherine o'hara i don't know it just it was something totally different mm-hmm. um and i hadn't even seen spinal tap at that point either yeah um that actually brought me to spinal tap which is yeah like, that's the one people usually go to because it's such a, such a cult classic yeah um and i do think it might even just sort of an un, un, unappreciated underappreciated in that, in his sort of catalog of movies and stuff. It's funny that you bring up the underappreciated thing because when I was watching it, one of my thoughts was this this movie is an example of why they need like an Oscar or more recognition for these comedic actors. Yes. Because they're all operating on this on this other level in this movie and 100%. and they didn't really get a lot of props for it. So they made those, the three, you know, the main three that we're talking about here. And I haven't seen the other ones for a while either, but just to pluck this one out and then just to watch it and be like, you kind of feel like 
Does it? Isn't it? Like, they're so fucking good. Yeah. How come we're not, like, applauding them and giving them... Like, they're so committed to what yeah. they're... To, not only to their characters, which they are, but they're committed to what they're doing in the film without a single wink at us, which I I loved and appreciated. And again, I, don't, I think watching it again, knowing that we're going to talk about it, I was paying a bit more closer yeah. attention. But even, like, I was watching with Kathy, and she was like, I've never seen Eugene Levy like this. Yeah. And... And it's true. Like uh, we're also we're watching Shit's Creek right now yeah. too, and and great, funny, but he's um, Eugene Levy as you normally yeah see him more or less. And so this is like uh, and even Catherine, and Catherine O'Hara too, all of them really. But mm-hmm. you're like they're they're committing to something here that is um, different, and it, and it feels. I always have, we have this conversation a lot about like I appreciate when people are striving for something and swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. And again, I think in this in this case of the. Of the three or four, if you want to count Spinal Tap as well, it feels like there's more heart behind this than the others. The comedy and and there's an appreciation in the others as well. But this one, that there's these little moments, particularly between Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, but kind of throughout that you're like, they're going for something just like a a shade deeper, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. I don't remember if there's any more heart in the other two. Um, but you're probably right. I can't remember. I know there's not a lot. Well, I don't know. I think there's more heart in this than in Spinal Tap. Right. But it's a different, you know, it's Rob Reiner. So I think one of the things that worked for me, one of the reasons that I think this works is that it's earnest, but then it's also mocking being earnest while being incredibly earnest about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's this nice trick that they do where... They're not really making fun of anyone, but they're also making fun of them. At the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's weirdly, and I find this is the, is true of um, less less so Spinal Tap because in the in the movie they're such big stars. Yeah, um, but in in Waiting for Guffman and in um, in Best in Show, and this is why I think well, I kind of feel like they're all yeah, intertwined those three, in a sense. Yeah. because um, it's like especially before like now we have such a niche culture where. Yeah people are all about things and that's okay. And that's cool. And there's, there's podcasts for that. And there's YouTube channels for that and, and all sorts of things. And that's become okay. That's become cool and celebrated. And yeah. it's like, Hey, you're all about that thing. That's so small. Um, mm-hmm. That's great. And, and so it was almost celebrating that stuff while also making fun of people who are like striving to be at, at the top of something that's somewhat mediocre. Yeah. But then also, it's, yeah, it is weirdly... They're celebrating them, but they're kind of making fun of them, and, and... There's this fine line that they ride through the whole movie, and it's because they never break, because they play it so straight, that I think that's... I think that's how they pull it off. Yeah. And they bring it right to the edge, right before the wink's about to happen, and, and but then they don't. Yeah. And it's gold. And I will say, you can tell they're having a hell of a good time. Yeah. Like, they're... And I, I would actually love to sit down with Christopher Guest and Eugene LaVegas because they both wrote this yeah. and figure out... Because I know a, a lot of it is improv. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the, the interview stuff is improv. But they ha- they have to map out an arc, mm-hmm. and they have things that happen along the way that... And they must do table reads, or they must, like, talk about it in some way to kind of figure out what what are these characters' backstory. They don't know, they're not making all that up on the spot. But you yeah. can tell there's a few times. I think most obvious to me was... The Harry Shearer, um, like yeah. McKean, and 
um, Christopher Guest, where it's like, oh, this is he said that he's jumping off on that, and you can kind of see them riffing a little yeah. bit. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing that happen. I love how they bake those parts in by then they cut away to like footage. Yeah, yeah. And, and just so it's this funny tension between like he just made it up now, but now it's history because yeah. we just showed you a newspaper clipping. Or, or, or this dude that's like the historian or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just bullshitting. It, um, it reminded me of because it's been so long since I've seen it and then, you know, time goes by and other things come up. So, you know, that bit on Weekend Update with Fred and uh, Kristen where they do, where they sing the songs. Yeah. It reminded me of that. And I actually thought, I wonder if that's a little bit of a tribute because it's like that sketch, but like a whole movie. Right. <laughs> or like that little bit that they do on Update as a whole movie. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point about the Oscar thing, like that takes a lot yeah. of skill. And I think part of it is too, like just seeing these people come together and they've known each other for forever. They came uh, came up together. And it, it does seem like there's a natural chemistry and there's a natural like oh I get what you're doing there I'm mm-hmm. gonna jump on and, and it works really well um, it's seamless um, but then they're all like yeah they're all going for it and but they're also not like completing each other's sentences like you can see them kind of like fucking with each other a little bit yeah. too like <laughs> yeah they, like it's these little moments and I started watching what the other characters were doing when the main, like what, whoever was talking, I would watch the other characters to see like what cues they're going to jump off of. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) you could just see like the wheels turning behind their head. The one that comes to mind is the, when I think it's the first time that they sit down with the three, with um, the three guys, the spawn type guys. And, They're talking about um, being signed to the label, and then they got bumped down to the floor, <laughs> and then there was no hole in the record. You could just tell, like, <laughs> the I, hole in the record. I think they're just like they're just giving each other shit. That they're there. like, it's like the epitome of like, okay, you can yes and that. Like, come on, <laughs> the hole in the record was so funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, and again, I just love watching them be like, like it, you couldn't see it, but you know, in the head, they're like, all right, that, we're going there, and and this, like, we're gonna, like I'm leaning into it, like they're just committed, and I loved it. And then they pass the baton and they're like, I'm going to take this just a little bit further. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can take it further than the hole in the record. <laughs> but then the other thing that is striking about this movie, and I don't want to jump too far no. ahead, um, but the, is like, um, if the music is good. Yeah. Like, and they wrote these songs and some of them, like they wrote just like pieces of, yeah. That they knew, okay, well, they're just going to sing. Like, the one song when you think you first see, like, the Main Street Singers. Yeah. And they sing, like, like just the chorus because they're practicing. But they still have to write that, and it's a catchy song, and it's like... And performance. Yeah, yeah. That gets back to the earnest thing for me that's, like... It would have been easier, and I think I think a lesser filmmaker would have, like, made the song kind of parodies. But they're not. They're straightforward. Yeah. Which adds to... it. It's like it swings back around and makes everything else funnier because they're playing it so straight. Right. Instead of like a parody, like the one, there is one that borders on like being funny. I think at the, during the credits, there's one and even a mighty wind, it's blowing you and me. Like, I never got that (laughs) until this time. Um, But for for the most part, they're playing it straight. Yeah. And it just adds that layer of attention is like, no, they mean this. But they, <laughs> in in contrast to, and I don't don't no. mean to, don't mean to disparage Spinal Tap, God forbid. But 
Um, in contrast to that more so, I'm not saying that they did it wrong in Spinal Tap, but like those songs are parody songs. Of, yeah. Uh, like they're making fun of like that hard rock. Like, and it works there. Yeah. Um, well, because in truth, there are some ridiculous, like if you look back at some of the, like other real bands in that, yeah. there's some ridiculous songs, but like, like they have like sex farm woman, like, like those songs <laughs> yeah. are like, they're clearly poking fun, but like, yeah, some of the songs in the mighty wind, you're like, this is a good catch or something. Yeah. I think one, I, they probably didn't want to, they've already done that. Yeah. You know, I think it also, it's drier. It's, it's, it's not, it's a smaller joke, but it pays off in the long run to yeah. go for a legit song. But man, again, that, that Oscar thing or any award, you just like, I have this movie on like a crappy DVD and it just felt like, you know, time's forgetting like this gold. Yeah. Did you watch, have you watched anything uh, after, did you watch For Your Consideration? I saw you for, cons- for Your Consideration and I saw Mascots. You did watch Mascots. Yeah. See, when I was watching it, I was like, how come he's not doing this anymore? And then it kept on going. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't watch Mascot. And I'm like, oh no, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch a show, um, which I forget what it's called, with, but I like, and I like, um, I forget what's his name. Um. I don't know. Chris O'Dad, yeah. Yeah, Chris O'Dad. I like Chris O'Dad, and he's in the show, but I never watched the show. Okay. I didn't know he had. Um, I never saw it. How was Mascots, though? Um, it was not... Uh, I think it was better than Free Consideration. I found Free Consideration... It's been a while again, but I found it to be a little bit boring. Yeah. Um, and then Mascots, I think he swung back, but it never really hit the same... I think maybe it... And again, it's been a while since I saw it, but as, yeah. I, as I recall, I think the issue maybe is that that tension we talked about wasn't there. Like the tension between celebrating and making fun of it skewed more towards the making fun of mm. and less. Cause even like waiting for Guffman um, is like, you start to care about, and it's hilarious, but you start to care because these people care so much yeah. and they're so impassioned about this thing. And that's a real thing. Um, yeah. And maybe that's also part of it is like the mascots thing is not really, I don't think it's a real thing to have like these people dress up like mascots and then perf- and then compete. I don't think that. I don't so think real. with that one, was it a show? Like a documentary? Like, was it a movie or a show or what was it? Mascots? Yeah. It was a movie. Oh, okay. Was it a Netflix movie? What was it? I don't know. It was, a, it, was a, it was a while ago too, actually. Yeah, I don't think he's done anything in a little while. Fun fact. Do you know that he's married? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Isn't that insane? I didn't Since know. 1984. As old as us. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Better than both of our parents. <laughs> I wish they were my parents. <laughs> You'd be a lot, a lot whiter. Yeah. I would look the same. You would. <laughs> You'd be taller. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe a little funnier, too. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Shit's Creek a little, though. Yeah. Um, I know that you watch it. I don't watch it, and I'm gonna. Exp- I want to lay out why, and then I want you to kind of counterpoint. I will say before we we watched the first season, went away from it for no good reason, and we're going back to it. So I think we're only near the end of the second season. Okay, but like so six seasons. You're in. Though. Yeah, I'm, in. I'm not in. Yeah, and I'll explain why I'm not in. I think when I heard about it, my expectations went up real mm-hmm. high because yeah. of movies like this. Yeah, and then when I saw it, and at least the ones that I saw in the beginning, it just couldn't match like the writing and it's a, it's a broader comedy and I don't really want to see them 
like, I don't want to see them do a broader comedy. So I tried a few times and it's so frustrating when you like everyone involved. Like I love his kid. I love them together. Right. Um, I want to support it, but I just couldn't get into it because it just felt too, too, it felt too CBC. Right. Sorry. And, (laughs) um, it felt just too broad. Whereas this, like a mighty wind doesn't feel like it's like, we don't fucking care if you are laughing at this or not. We don't even care if you get it. This is what it is. And that's, I think, one of the things... I will come back to Shit's Creek, but one of the things I, I appreciate about those movies... And I don't know that... This might be a broader topic, too, but I don't know if there is space for those kinds of movies now where... Uh, there should be more space for those kind of movies now. Well, I agree. And, and it's like... The, it, what it felt to me was... The subtext of, the, of from, from a writing perspective was... We're doing this anyway, so... Either you like it or you don't. Yeah. And I, I so appreciate that, especially when it's done well. I don't like when people do that and it's a piece of shit movie. But yeah. but when it's like, um, if you don't get this, it's not your thing, that's fine. Because this isn't for everybody. Yeah. But we're, we want to do this. We're going to have a good time making it. And they have the, the, the comedy chops to, to pull it off. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, Shit's Creek is not that. And I wonder if it's the... I wonder if it's the, like the Christopher guest influence that, cause apparently in real life, he's actually a very kind of like, he's not like life of the party kind of dude. Um, Christopher guest. Yeah. Oh yeah. He sounds like kind of an asshole. I read the Saturday Night live, the big, the big Saturday Night live history of, Oh really? <laughs> he sounds like a bit of a dick. Yeah. I mean, unless you're in, obviously yeah. all these people will keep working with him if he's a dick to them. But yeah. I think it was not a good environment at Saturday Night live at the time when he was there. It was, kind of during the Lauren transition and then he came back but still he sounded you know yeah hard to deal with a little yeah but what were you saying with the influence yeah so I wonder if it's missing that influence and it's not like Eugene um, Levy is the most his some of his stuff is quite broad right yeah. like he's not the subtlest of yeah um, in, in certain hands he's not the subtlest of actors um, I find that show is it's 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 not subtle in its comedy, but I, I, it, there's some laughs there for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, people like it. I like Dan Levy a lot. Yeah, I guess I like him. I like him a lot. I think more than I thought. I when I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, Catherine Harry, Eugene Levy. Oh, his son's in." Like it's like oh. kind of like, "Are you just doing this for your son?" But he's great. He's really great. And I had seen him on MTV. Um, there was like a brief MTV Canada Renaissance thing. Yeah, that they did, and he was really good on that. And then. Um, I just saw him on the Casey Musgraves Christmas special, which he kind of steals the show. Mm. He's so he's, he's very funny. he's so funny on it, and it's a, that's a special little special. I'm gonna we loved it. So um, I like him a lot, but again, maybe I gotta give it another try. It it is. Uh, I mean, again, I I I like that we live in a time where we're kind of you know, especially in TV, they're making things that are not for everybody. But that's fine. Um, I like the. And I don't remember her name, but the the daughter. Um, actually, we were just we watched an episode last night, and we were talking. We're like, man, the, imagine the pressure on on her because it's like Eugene Levy and Catherine Harvey know each other forever, yeah. And then it's his son, and so they have all have this natural rapport and this natural, and you can you can see it like they yeah. they they work well together. And then this other person that's 
I don't know what her background was, but to kind of just come in and, and have to be part of the family, literally part of the family, mm-hmm. um, in the show, then that's, that's a lot of pressure, but she does. She's great. She's really funny. They, yeah, it is, it is broad. Like they, they play their, their characters amped up a bit. Um, I would say that they don't, to, to what we've seen, um, especially the first season, they're giving Catherine O'Hara a little bit more in the second season, um, to work with, um, but the first season they didn't really give her much at all, and that's a, a bit of a waste in my yeah. in my view. Um, but again, I've got four more seasons to get through, so I don't know where it's going to head. But, head but. Well, I'm certainly glad they are getting work and uh, that they're getting the recognition. Yeah, on that show, I think they need the recognition for things like Mighty Wind. Yeah, so I would uh, coming kind of coming back to the um, the writing part where, like, I, again, I find myself thinking. I, well, not not if he's an asshole, but I would love to sit down with... Well, I don't know if he's an asshole. I just think he's a little... Like, unless you're in with him. Right. I'm not, I wonder if it's hard, like, where... He obviously knows what he wants. Yeah. And he's got a very particular way of... Like, a very particular kind of comedy. Yeah. And he almost... I was trying to think of, the, like... They almost creator at least were part of creating the whole mockumentary idea i was trying to think if there was one before i wanted to talk about the mockumentary you know idea a little because i don't i can't think of one before spinal tap there had to be something yeah but you know spinal cap kind of spinal tap kind of set the bar yeah and then he kind of went off that bar for kind of the rest of his career yeah and then so I see it like Spinal Tap led to Christopher Guest, and then that was happening for a while, and other things were happening too. But which led us to like The Office, and mm. but even The Office, it didn't. There's they're still going broader. I don't think anyone really picked up the torch of exactly what they're doing here, where it's just so. Sincere and so dry at the same time. I no, I can't think of. I mean, I would say the office is is broad, um, but they pick up some of the like I remember, especially early seasons of the office. Well, like, the British office is is more like this, right? Yeah, yes, definitely, uh, way more, way more, yeah. Uh, and I'm not criticizing it either. I'm just, I was watching and I did have the thought a few times. I'm like, well, how come no one's doing this mm. right now? And I, I thought, well, maybe we just kind of got bored of this style because of things like The Office. And maybe we kind of just thought, well, there's nothing left in this formula anymore. Do you think, though, that it's a, it'd be an easy sell to um, like to come and like to pitch a, a, a mockumentary style? I think people are going to immediately think The Office. I think people would just think the office, but it doesn't mean you can't play with those expectations. Yeah. What we do in the shot, what we do in the shadows was. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't that office. It was more like a crew, but it's still, this wasn't a document. What did, what would you, so it's a mockumentary, but it's not that documentary. A mighty win. Yeah. They, um, I think it, it kind of veers, especially in the last act. Like it in the beginning, 
definitely is. It feels because they they have cutaways to like um, you know news news clippings and mm-hmm. historians and things like that. That feels very documentary ish. But mm-hmm. then by the time you get to the last the last act, it's kind of just them doing the performance and stuff. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's just like a little more fly on the wall. Yeah. Whereas um, where this style kind of went is that it was like an active member of right. the of what was happening the documentary aspect. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the writing because we talked about it a little bit for earlier, but one of the things that struck me was like how it starts off and it's almost um, like a play. So it starts off with the kind of news report of like, this guy has died and it lays out the world very clearly and almost the way that like, you know, you would in a play where you come out, you say, kind of have this long monologue of this is what, and then it unfolds from there. Mm. And I just thought this, even these little segments where they kind of set it up are really like cleverly done. And they just, there's like an artistry that it's not just people getting in front of a camera and bullshitting. Like it's really, it's really thought out and they really set it up so that there's a maximum amount of, like things to play with. Yeah. And I think that that's, I was thinking about that as well. We kind of alluded to before about like, they would say something and then they would sort of make it canon by cutting away to, to a, a visual of that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, I don't, I don't know what of that was decided at. I'm sure some of it was, but even like, cause it's, it's very much a, a, a backward looking, even more so than the other ones, right. We're, mm-hmm. we're reflecting on the past. And so each of these characters has to have, a pretty rich backstory and each group has to have a rich backstory. So how much of that was thought up ahead of time versus made up on the spot. Right. And, and probably it's probably a mixture of the two things to be honest, but they, again, yeah, you, you could tell that they're again, cause they're all invested. It feels like we're all adding to this world. So yeah. if I'm going to riff on something, it's because I'm adding to what everybody's doing. Even yeah. the people that, they aren't really in the same shot until the last scene, right? Yeah. Some of those people don't, don't really see each other ever. No, but um, you you get the sense of the community. Yeah. Even though they're riffing on and adding parts, the bedrock of that everything's being built on is still there and still so well established that yeah. when they get together at the end, it's not like it. you already feel like you've been with them the whole time. Yeah. And they're all adding to like this myth mythology of yeah. the, of the um, Irving Steinblum, right? Like even Ed Beckley Jr. when he kind of goes on his little thing about like getting the tickets and stuff. And again, I don't know. It's hard to know how much of that was was improved, but like you're still adding to this this idea of like here's this random who you know was in the Swedish folk scene and like um, and met this man, and so it just kind of everything is headed in the same direction. And and I think. That is, I think sometimes in modern comedies, you and again, you kind of read between the lines a little bit, but it seems like we're either competing with each other or here's the star. Yeah. Even if they're riffing, it's like, I'm just waiting for you to finish so that I can, I can do my, my line or my, I can get my thing in. But this seems more humble in a sense where it's like, yeah, I'm going to get my laugh. I'm going to get my line, but I'm also going to feed you something so you can get yours. And that, and I'm going to feed into the canon. 
Yeah. With my improv. Yeah. Because that's kind of the most important part. Yeah. That you are right. It's, it's a selfless improv. Yeah. And it's not, Hey, let's just keep riffing until we get the funniest joke, which, you know, it can work in something like sewer red, but it's a very different model here to say, no, we're committed to this world and we're going to mind the jokes out of that. Not because I'm sure all of them could think of something funnier to say in the moment. The reason it works is because they're not trying to say the funniest thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're committed to mining the funny moments and finding and, and character development. Like, I, And really, it's not a it's not an if, you know, either or. It's more like this is why I think when you watch it, you feel like these guys are doing something really interesting um, because, um, yeah, we've all seen all seen movies where, um, yeah, especially comedies where it's like, yeah, we'll we'll let you take this scene and and. Try try something out, run with it, and and it works, and it's funny, and that, and and so that's not a negative, especially if you've got some some really good people. But it just feels different where, um, you know, and this is a really bad example, but like I remember when we we watched Grown Ups, the first Grown Ups, okay, and I was watching like this is just a series of mini sketches that have no connection to one another. They don't care. They're just going for a cheap laugh yeah. before they jump to the next scene so they can get another cheap laugh. And it's like the anti, this is a different, this is comedians that are, and maybe it's because they, none of them ever were really huge yeah. stars. Probably the, the Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy likely did the, did the most, but even then, yeah. um, it's not like they're, they're not Adam Sandler and Chris Rock, right? Like it's not yeah. like that level of, of stardom. And so maybe there is a humility to their, to their approach to it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's interesting though, because when it's not done well, whether it's grownups or even the Apatow movies, right. Um, it can feel shallow. Because its its aim is only short term. Yeah. Um, so it's what's the funniest thing that can be said in this moment? Not what's the world? What's my character? How does my character exist in this world? And what's the what am I going to say to add to that? And then also, how can I get a laugh while adding to the this myth that we're creating? Yeah. That's. It's, there's so much more going on there. You're juggling a lot. Yeah. In, in one scene while the camera's rolling, right? Like, that's what, that, that's what I'm saying. There's so much t- underappreciated talent that goes into it. And then they have to perform and put on a show. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me was, if you look at them, and I'm glad you brought up the aspect of a, a trilogy, because when we first watched this, you, you were just like, oh, it's just another one that... It's so funny when you're younger, um, especially when you're discovering kind of older things, you kind of take it for granted. You're like, oh, there's this funny movie and two more. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, it just kind of take everything at face value. But when you get older, you can see, OK, these things are rare and you can get a perspective. Uh, you can get a perspective on um, like an arc and and you can see the growth and yeah, kind of what they're going for. So one of the things about this movie is that. Waiting for Guffman is set them pining for for their glory days, and this is after the glory days have, mm. have. It's the reverse of waiting for Guffman. That's a great point. They're trying to get back to the glory days, and all of them have a melancholy of like. There's a moment at the end, even after her big moment with um, 
Eugene Levy, what's his character name? Uh, Mitch. Mitch. When she when they sing on stage with together, it's her, um, Mitch and Mickey, and they have that moment, and everyone's watching, and then they cut to her in the trade show. Yeah, it's it, it's so sad. Yeah, but at least they got to have the show. It's an interesting trajectory because Best in Show is all during the show. And then waiting for Guffman's before, and this is kind of after trying to relive it. I, That's interesting. It's such a good. Like I don't know if he planned it. Like I don't if it. It's hard to know how many how. It's hard to know how much of this is like thought through or just happened, and then yeah. you can look back and see the pattern. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I kind of wish I had done a little more research on the guy before the chat. I kind of meant to, but there's also the aspect of sometimes you can look into something too much and it takes away the yeah it, 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 you start to read into it a little bit but um, but it's a good it's a it's an interesting point for sure um, and I mean there's a lot of time like between when they made those movies too right like Winnie for Guffman came out a long time ago um, so even in terms of, like you say kind of watching someone's career and watching someone's progression um, I will say too I those movies have made me just love those actors like whenever they like they're the, the kind of actors that just pop up right mm-hmm. so you're like Fred Willard comes on some, like he's in a show or something you're like Fred Willard yeah. like my my uh, my James was watching um, this Mickey Mouse show and I was just thinking like that's Fred Willard's voice and he's one of the characters and I'm just I'm like this is, a, this is the best and or like John Michael Higgins will come on and I'm like John Michael Higgins is in this and no one cares that John Michael yeah. Higgins is in this thing but I do yeah um, how do you feel about the uh, what happened turning into like a like a sound bit? <laughs> I love it because it's like what, it's like this weird meta thing where it's yeah. like it was like this weird catchphrase and then it became a thing. It became after? a thing after, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was talking about it with some guys at work and they're like, "Mighty Wind," won't, like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Well, you know what happened." Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's it's a movie that that's from. Yeah. And then you feel like a nerd because yeah. you're like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> oh, I got a question for you. Do you think that you need to know that they're improvising to enjoy this movie? No, I don't think so. No. Because I don't know. I actually don't know when they are and when they aren't. I. That's why I think that they mostly are when they're doing the interview things. Mm-hmm. But then again, like there's times where they're they're just talking and they're like the scene where they're um where the three guys are are trying to decide what to do for their set and he's like um you know we'll go out and we'll do our hit and we'll, then, then the rest of the ace on the cake and he's like what's the cake and then they, that's the dressing like that you could tell they're like they're just improving that so yeah. um maybe it isn't just when they're being interviewed but then there's other things where you're like if you just improv this you just took this movie in another way so you some of this stuff had to be decided before so anyways my point is I I don't think that you have to know that to enjoy it because um, we don't know exactly when they are that's true. sometimes because I've seen it so many times it's kind of obvious yeah sometimes but I don't know I can't pick it out all the time I think it would add to your enjoyment yeah. you know like if you just sat down with someone and they were kind of familiar with it they'd heard what happened or whatever and they watched it I think if you told them beforehand, hey, a lot of this is improvised, I think it would 
speed up the getting it. Right. Not that we have to speed up the getting it, but I just... It's hard to know sometimes, like... We bring a lot to movies. Right. And I was just kind of being objective. I was like, am I enjoying this so much because of... Because I enjoy the craft of improvising and I can see the kind of wheels turning in their heads and, and all that, or would someone who didn't know that enjoy it just as much? I think I think you raise a good point though. I mean this is a I got a broad conversation about filmmaking in general, but I think that when you understand which is why I think people like seeing even bloopers, but people like seeing behind the scenes, they like seeing um, those things because they're like, oh I I do enjoy something more when I see what someone's put into it. Yeah. Um Catherine I we watched Inception yeah. um, a couple days ago, and the scene where um, uh, where they're fighting in the hallway, yeah. and the van is being over, and, and they're like fighting on the ceiling and stuff. And Kathy's like, "How did they do that?" I was like, "Let me tell you." So like, and I'm like, "Yeah, they put the whole hallway on a gimbal, and they were spinning the hallway around and fighting." And she's like, "That's amazing." Like, I think it does give you more appreciation when you when you see the hard work that people are putting into. Even something that seems very not that is it because it's really tricky, but things that seem very straightforward, and you're like, "Oh, that was actually really hard." Um, yeah. I don't think that makes up for poor filmmaking because no. we all know things that are like really hard to do. A lot of action movies, there are hard you know, stunts and things are hard to pull off. It doesn't make it a good movie, but I think if yeah. you're watching something, you're like, um, "I'm enjoying this," and then I'm also able to see the skill that went into it to make it that good. I think that there is an actual level of enjoyment. I think there is probably a sweet spot because right. if you, I think you didn't a lot get of, too showy. No, to knowing what, knowing kind of how they did it, mm-hmm. but not having a whole idea. Okay, but some scope on how they made something, I think, can add your, to your enjoyment. But if you know too much, then it's kind of taking you know the secret sauce out of it. I think sometimes it actually swings the other way too when you see like. Like, you see, like, the behind the scenes, especially on, like, big Marvel movies and Star Wars and things, and you're like, oh, they're just all running on a bit in a big green room. It's, yeah. It kind of takes it a little bit away from it. Yeah. There's certainly a, a sweet spot there. Yeah. Um, I know that some... I've heard some comedians on podcasts talk that they don't watch a lot of comedy because, because it, the mystique's gone for them. Mm. And I always feel kind of, like, I don't know, sad for them. But I think if you watch, like, when I watch, um, like, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians of Cars Getting Coffee, that's given me an appreciation for comedy because when he sits down with these comedians and they're talking, on a, like, on a technical level, like, as if it's two, like, engineers talking about how, how something is built, mm-hmm. they're talking about, they're deconstructing these, you know, legends of comedy or even their own, like, he'll be like, oh, when you do this, you do, and they're like, yeah. So I that gives me an appreciation of, like, they're not just thinking of funny shit to say. Like they're purposefully crafting, and especially the the ones that have been doing it for a long time. They're they know what works, and they're 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 playing us as an audience to, mm-hmm. to make us laugh. But that like everything that they're doing is like meticulous. And to see someone who like so Jerry Seinfeld is watching, you know, his friends, and then these new people coming up, and he's he can pick out what they're doing. Um, and appreciate it, and then even, it's not his style at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are not his style, but and so I, I think to the point of, um, I think that's a little bit sad because I think you can you can learn still learn from and appreciate the the more you know how something, especially when it's your craft, mm-hmm. you can watch them and be like, oh, that was really cool how you 
you did that, and, and then you can appreciate what they're doing. I'm sure they would feel appreciated to know yeah. someone knows the work I'm putting into this and what it takes to, to get this result. Mm-hmm. When I was talking with uh, Josh, he mentioned that he has avoided doing too much school because one of the things that inspires him is the is the surprise. Right. Um, and if he knows, like, when you're studying music, if this is generally the way that you do things, that these chords kind of lead to these chords, mm. that would that he would feel boxed in. And so he likes kind of being surprised by it. Yeah. And I, I think I w- when I'm listening to you talk about them being meticulous, I think, see, that would take, like, the fun out of it for me. Because it's like, it's like I almost want to be like, I know when I do it like this, this... Like, but I don't want to. But have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a a lot more so a live comedy show? I think this is less so. When by the time you watch like the Netflix specials and stuff, I think that they they know what they're doing. Yeah, they're not screwing around on those days. But like, I remember we wa- we saw we saw Jerry Seinfeld a while ago in town, mm-hmm. um, and we saw Jim Gaffigan a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And Jim Gaffigan was more obvious, but I remember sitting there in the audience thinking. Oh, he's testing stuff out on us mm. because you know we're not in a huge town and it's a full theater. Yeah, um, and everyone there's having a good time, but it's not like, um, but it's not like he's playing New York City or whatever. I like the testing out though. Um, more. When you can see him, but I could you can see like I'm trying this joke, and then particularly Jim Gaffigan, if you've seen some of his stuff, he's got some old standbys, and mm-hmm. so you could see him try something. It didn't land great. I'm going back to this that I know I'm going to get the laugh to pick them back up. Yeah. And you can kind of see that little bit of a dance, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I'm there to have a good time, but I'm also like, oh, I'm also fine with you experimenting on me to figure out what works. For sure. Um, the experimenting is what I like about art is that I know and I understand some principles, but I also want to see what happens when I put these two things together. Mm. And I want to like... If I'm ever getting to a place in whatever I do that it's like, if I do this and this, I get this result, then why am I doing this? Yeah. That seems just like... Completely agree. But when you'd be like, okay, I get... I can, I know I'm good at this and I know I'm good at this. What if I mix them and what kind of results would that have? Here's the question. Coming back to A Mighty Wind and Christopher Guest. So we have four movies, if you count Spinal Tap, they're involved. And then after that, a progressive downward slide of obviously trying new things in a similar vein, but trying to mix it with something else. And it's not really working. So that's a tricky thing where should should artists be given the space to do that, even if we don't think it's working as well as their past work? Well, that's a big question because... Should artists... Well, artists should be able to do whatever they want. Of course. Sure. Um, and Though... But the audience decides if it's working or not. And this is the this is the conflict of film and TV is... It's expensive, right? Yeah. So it's one thing for... For, you know, someone with a home art studio, or even, even if you're a painter or something, like, to try something and it doesn't really work, it, it costs you your time and some paint and some canvas. But for someone to be like, I'm going to make a movie for... 15, 20 million dollars and it doesn't work. That's a harder thing. Because that's that, a way harder thing. Yeah, that com- commerce conversation coming into it. And an obligation to 
yeah, the conversation is I have kind of, I have kind of an unspoke or spoken. Well, no, I don't think you can guarantee that things are going to work. No, I don't think so. And I don't think truth, I don't think Hollywood, they wouldn't have flops otherwise, right? They don't know. But there is kind of an unspoken, I'm good at this and I know how to, I know how to do this. Right. So that when something does flop, um, sorry, I'm just thinking as I'm talking. You're thinking about cats, aren't you? No. (laughs) I'm thinking about cats. No. Um, I was just, I was thinking a lot about it. Why we haven't seen him do anything lately, and then kind of I blame myself because I didn't see any of them. But you did bring up an interesting point about being an artist and taking risks, but then take being an artist and taking risks when you're spending someone else's money. And I said, well, artists should be able to do whatever they want. But as soon as you sign on the dotted line that you're going to make something, you do have an obligation to deliver. Yeah. Even if you can't guarantee that you're going to deliver, you still. When they sign you, there's an expectation of quality. Yeah. And if you don't deliver on that... It's a complex question. And it's not like... The other thing is, too... Um, and this is, again, a very large conversation about about um, movies in general and sort of the state of things and, and how things are shifting, you know, with Netflix and Amazon and all of that. Um, but I can I never saw Mighty Wind in the theater. Yeah, waiting for government came out when I was a kid, right? Yeah. So, um, by those measures, those movies, I guess we're having two conversations. I don't think creatively they work as well as his previous work. Um, the new ones, the new ones. Yeah, um, I don't know how they did financially. I I can't imagine they were box office blowouts. Yeah. Um, so there are sort of it, it'd be one thing if we said this was a really good movie that wasn't marketed well or mm-hmm. for whatever reason it didn't do well in the movie theater but I think it'll find an audience in streaming or and that happened lots right? yeah. in, in the past people would go to get random DVDs at Blockbuster or whatever um, that's a different thing where it's like this is a quality film that just didn't find its audience in the theater um, that's a different thing than this isn't that great to begin with mm-hmm. or as good as as previous work it's actually one of the things that freaks me out about getting old because it's not really a I, I, I can get my head around you know we're all going to die one day but it's the when you lose touch when you're old like that I that scares me like or you get old and you, made, you make Mad Max Fury Road I mean yeah but it seems harder yeah to have it's not even like it's not your your finger on the pulse to what's cool, but to stay in and stay hungry and stay, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know the word for it. I think there's a, this is kind of branching into a, our creativity conversation, but I think there is a, there is a, um, a sweet spot and you just hope that as you're striving for something, you don't miss that sweet spot. Yeah. Cause I think there is a sweet spot of, you have to be, old enough to have had some mm-hmm. experience. Like, I I tried to make things in my 20s that were ill-advised. Like, yeah. it, I didn't know what I was doing, not even on a technical level, but just, like, um, in terms of how do you have a... How do you... If you're an actor or a director or... Um, like, how do you talk about 
emotions and life experience that you haven't had. Yeah. Right. And you, how do you fill in a backstory? I, I have a lot of respect for young actors when they can do that because you're like, you haven't gone through enough shit to be able to draw from. You have to just be making this up. Um, but from a directing perspective or a writer, it's like you have to have some gas in the tank in terms of what you've gone through in life and, mm-hmm. and people you've met. And like, you know what I mean? You have to, you can't, I don't know how you just make that stuff up out of thin air. Um, but then to your point, it's like there does seem to be a, you, you get to a point where, you know, some of these amazing filmmakers that just were blowing the doors out in their early career, just making stuff that no one seems to care about. Or that it's just not. It's just not at the level. Yeah. And maybe it's that... Maybe it's just a simple... They're not as hungry as they used to be. Yeah. And they know it works. But I... I kind of... Wherever my life leads me, I... I really hope that I avoid that. Because yeah. it... It's super depressing. I... It's not exciting. And to me, if you're going to make art... I think you want it to be exciting. Yeah. And this movie is exciting. Yeah. And those three movies, they're exciting because it, it feels like, like, it's like nothing's going on because it's very, but then everything's going on. Everything's on the line. Yeah. But they're not, but it's very quiet about it. Yeah. And that's the, that's I think where the comedy comes in because it's, yeah, they're saying funny lines, but you're like, you feel a sense of high stakes, mm-hmm. but then in the back of your mind, you're like, none of this shit matters. No. Um, in the long run. And so it's, it's funny because they're taken so seriously, but still I'm feeling like that heightened emotion of it. It does matter because it matters to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So, and I love that. I, I just think it's such a broadly, such a unique take on, um, on, on life in general to be like circling back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, where this is a, a world I'm going to, pull the lid off of to look into and legitimately there are likely hundreds or thousands of hometown theater groups in some small town in wherever that is doing their production of something that is just taking it way too seriously. Yeah. And there are people that are competing in these dog shows that they, that is their life. Right. Mm -hmm. And they are not, they're devoting their entire life to winning this dog show. And um, and then there are these niche, small, you know, artists that, you know, because again, like the thing, the thing that's interesting about a mighty wind is that theater was packed in the end. Right. Yeah. Like there are people that cared about this and they put it on TV and not everybody. It's not like, yeah. they, you know, they, they're not packing out the a stadium, but, um, it, that, I mean, that I think to me is like the flip side of, um, and again, even in, in waiting for Guffman, the, the 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 gym is every seat's full except for yeah. except for government seat yeah um, and because these there are that's the, that's the heart behind it is like there are people that do care about these things even if us as an audience are like we leave we think these people were crazy but the people did care and they they put on a great show and and you know what I'm trying to say but if you take a step back further from that. Isn't everything in our own lives kind of that same thing? If someone was to take yeah. like the lid off of our life and be like, "Look at this guy; he's so worked up about it. He's taking it so seriously. It doesn't actually fucking matter at all." Yeah, but that and actually, maybe that's why it strikes a chord. I think so, and I think that we all have those things. And I think again, um, it's even ballsier to do those movies years ago. When I think now with with 
YouTube and podcast culture and things like that, where it's like not everything has to be, um, you know, a podcast. No, no, the, not everything has to be a podcast, but not not every podcast has the goal of every podcast is not to have a million downloads a week, right? Like, yeah, it's just not possible. It's not possible, and no, and that I think is the beauty of a medium like that, where it's mm-hmm. like you can have an extremely niche. Um, topic that you're talking about and or a YouTube channel that's ext- like a very very small um, number of people that care about this thing but they're passionately caring about it yeah and so that's and that's good that's okay and and we can all have that conversation and and talk about whatever it is that we're passionate about so I I think that's a shift in the last number of years since these things have come out well I think it's a shift that still needs to happen more because I think the other the flip side of all of that is that social media has made us hyper aware of right. and, and hyper aware of things how many likes are on mm. things and how and things going viral and even so I'm starting the YouTube channel and I'm and I'm doing the podcasts and and people have said to me well you know you only need the one video to go viral and then you're kind of set so you're kind of it's kind of said well you're just kind of plugging in your time until you get your big hit like your big video right. and sure i mean in our lives and in any of the creative things that we're doing, we want them to be successful. Yeah. Sure. For for me, it would be great to have the video or the thing that gets all the views, but there is a chance that that's not going to happen. So what is, what's inside of me that's drawing me to do it, whether or not that comes or not. Yeah. And I think that's kind of something that these movies hit on Mm -hmm. that these people are going to, they're, they're hoping that Guffman shows up. Yeah. But they're, that's not what, that's not why they're doing the show. Right. It's a weird, um, again, large topic, but this is a, it's a weird thing with artists, particularly, um, and maybe more so, well, probably just artists in general that like, you do the, you do what you're doing for, because you love what you're doing people need to see it yeah. you want people to appreciate it and you want to be su- successful whatever that looks like but you um it's like a it's like you want to be okay with with making the stuff for you yeah. at the same time if someone wants to pay me to do it and people appreciate it on a broad scale that's also great. I go, I was watching, um, I saw this clip of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach on James Corden. Yeah. And they were talking about, he kind of brought up like, oh, you both, both of your movies have six Oscar nominations. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what was that like that morning that they were announced? And they were like, we tried not to look at it. They're like, we just, we got up with our baby and we are just, we we're reminding each other, you know what? We have our baby. It's the most important thing in our life is our baby's laugh. And, and, but at the same time, they're like, but then we saw our phone starting to, to flash on the other side of the room and you're like, yeah, that is a, and these are like, these are two people that are, I think, yeah, true artists, right? Like they're, 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 they are having commercial success, but they're not, they're not purely commercial, commercial yeah. directors. Um, and so they're, it, to me, that was a picture of like, we don't want, we're, we're not getting up early to watch the stream we, we don't want to do that. We want to spend this time with our son and together and remind ourselves what's important in life. At the same time, we're super excited that our films are both nominated. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's like this weird both and. And it has to be both and because dreams 
can help you get up and keep going when you feel like I'm sick of going. Yeah. You know, so it, there is something nice about those videos where, you know, an actress gets, like, I think it was Florence Pugh who got, like, there's video of her getting the phone call and, and she's excited. That's a dream coming true. Yeah. I think it's when you expect it or or you become unthankful and, and that, that that's when it turns the other way. But you have to realize one way or the other, that reaction is outside of your control. Yeah. And you can appreciate it when it's there and hopefully you can, you can keep going when it's not there because you know, both. So Noah's kind of gone back and forth. He's had some, some hits and some misses. Yeah. Um, but something has, something beyond the recognition has to keep him going. Yeah. Well, and I think that is maybe something else that resonates with me almost subconsciously, um, you know, having my own like creative pursuits and things that I want to accomplish and things that I want to do and watching again, particularly I'm writing with a way for Guffman, um, in the, those sort of epilogue scenes. Right. And you mentioned, uh, Catherine O'Hara at the, at the trade show, but she's happy about that. Like her reaction is I'm playing again. Yeah. It kind of she did reignited this thing that she hadn't done for a long time. And then, and then when the, the three guys, well, two guys and a woman at the end are, <laughs> um, playing at this casino in their old Dickies yeah. and they're like wearing the old garb and they hadn't seen each other for so long, right? The scene where they meet each other at the barbecue mm-hmm. and they're, they hadn't seen each other for a long time. And they just it like reminded them of why they do it. And it's not about being on the stage again in front of all these people that just reminded them it, of, of just loving playing, mm-hmm. loving being together. And it doesn't matter who playing at a, at a casino or at a trade show for saying about penis clamps, like we're, <laughs> we're just love doing this. You know what I mean? And I think that that strikes me as the, again, it's that dichotomy, but like, it's, a, it's also okay, you know, to, to make something that is seen or heard by a very small amount of people. Yeah. And because you're just, you're also doing it because you love it, but it's human to want more views, but it's also human to, like, it's just a human reaction to say, I want that spotlight. Yeah. And I want sure. the praise. But it's also a human reaction to say, I have to do this. And so maybe that's the tension between want and have to. Yeah. If you're a creative person, at all these people, there's a joy in I'm playing again. But there's also the the need. Maybe that's why I find creativity and, and all this so interesting because it feels like something I, I can't catch. You know, every single time you kind of get in a corner, you're like, I'm going to figure you out. Like it goes left when you go right. Yeah. Um, And it might be just that the play between want and need constantly switches and you, and you don't even know what's at play all the time with it. And that's where these movies kind of live. Yeah. Agreed. Because there is a pure love for folk music. There's a pure love for like community theater that's in those two movies. And even docs. Yeah. Like, they're not... Like, they had to do some research. But then there's this human need for, I want attention. Right. In all of them. Yeah. And fighting and and kind of backstabbing and hoping to look your best and all that's in there, too. Yeah. It just gets messy and funny. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there anything in this movie that you um, feel hasn't aged well? Are you thinking about the? Uh, well, it kind of brought it, it kind of came up, and as it was 
so the part that we're both thinking of is the, the we, transition. The trend, yeah, he's trans at the end. Yeah, uh, he's transitioning, and and, I'm, and so as I'm watching it, I'm like, how would this play now? Or my first thought was they wouldn't put this in there now. But then I watched it. I was like, they still might because the joke <laughs> at the end of the day is that his voice is low. Yeah, not that he's <laughs> yeah he's transitioning to a woman. Yeah, is that. He's the base. Yeah. <laughs> he has this funny laugh at the end. <laughs> yeah, no. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they were making fun of... I mean, the, the, I would say that whether or not this is right or not, I don't know. But the, 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 the other two guys, their reaction when he's talking about how he always felt like he was a woman and, yeah. and all that. Um, their reaction, they're kind of looking at the ground... And so they feel they seem uncomfortable with it, and so that maybe would I think it would be different if I'm being if I'm actually thinking about I didn't think about this until just now, but I think what actually would be different nowadays is it would it 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 wouldn't be thrown away in a sense as a as a as our joke to end the movie. Yeah, um, it would be a bit more preachy. I think maybe it depends on I guess who is making it. I think that there's. It's hard to draw the line between them, between what we want and what is. Right. So the other day I was at Costco and um, there was two, like, you know how they always have the, the, the two people helping you? Right. There's the loader and the, and the, the, the guy on the cash had a twisty, he was an old guy, he had a twisty mustache. Fantastic. And the, um, I, the woman that was helping was transitioning. Hmm. And they were talking, but he was un- like, he's an old guy. Like, mm. so he was uncomfortable. Mm. You could see there was tension at, but he was trying to be comfortable. Hey. Um, that's how I read the scene that they, Wait. they were still like, they're caught in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it aged five. That's that. Yeah. I, I didn't think there's anything that was cringing about it. Um, but at well. first I was like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of things you see where things come up and you're like, yikes. Yeah. That does not work now. Um, no, I didn't feel that way for that at all. Um, as soon as he started singing, I was like, that is a funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> because to pull it back to what we were talking about before, both, the reason it's funny and that you almost feel good is that both are being true to him or her. <laughs> I, I don't know how he identified. But his, her voice is still her voice. Yeah. And this life change is is still her. Yeah. You know, so it's just watching like it, it really if you think about it and you it captures a lot of what's going on in the movie yeah. is that it's not really a joke at all. Right. Both things are earnestly done. I love to sing. Yeah. And I am a woman. Yeah. Both of them come from who that guy is. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Why did we bring this up? I know. It's the first one. Like, I pronouns. <laughs> um, so sh- she, um, I think that, yeah, because she says at the end, um, I realized I wanted to spend every day that I have left or whatever playing with these guys. I wanted to do every one of it as a woman. Okay. So you're right. It is like, yeah, both things are true. He's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's like, oh, that's a character win. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but it's also funny because then she starts singing and, yeah. and she's the bass. 
I think it's a great joke. Yeah, I think so too. Anything else? I didn't really. Eh, no. If I may be critical, actually. Oh, yes, please. Um, Eugene Levy uh, doesn't actually fully work for me in this movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. He does when he's with um, her on stage, with Catherine O'Hare on stage. Um, and you get the sense that, sure, he's like broken now. And I like that he's toning it down. It's just, I. I just, I couldn't connect with him. And I know part of it's like, well, you. He's really all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just, I wanted to connect with him more. It just felt like he was on a plane of existence that nobody else was on. Like, like that scene with the trains. And he's down the, <laughs> oh, That's one of my favorite God. scenes. The trains. Where he, like, <laughs> it thinks that the town would be beautiful <laughs> in the autumn. Because yeah. it's a town. It doesn't change. You know what? I take it all back. Just because if, if the way he is in this movie... Brings us to that <laughs> tiny town would look great in autumn. <laughs> and then the other guys were correct because he says it wrong. Yeah. It's crap down. <laughs> oh, man. That's one of the biggest laughs for yeah. sure. But then the only reason that it, that the ending works, which to me is one of the best moments of the movie, is when he comes back with the rose. Yeah. Like, especially all that tension that's built up. And the only reason that works is because he is just, like, spacey. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so he kind of has to be this, like, unpredictable, who knows what this guy's going to do yeah. kind of a thing. Uh, and not in, like, a, like a, a weird way, but, like, um, like no one really knows, right? He could be anywhere now because he, yeah. just, he just floats on air. Um, but then, because it ties back into, like, the poem that he wrote and when, when she was um, in the, when he was in the hospital and stuff. And so that, I love those payoffs. And that's where I'm saying, like, some of that's written because yeah. you have to, you have to have some of those through lines that, that go front, front to back. Yeah. If it, it, it also pays off with, to me, for that, that moment of he's, he's, she thinks self is that, a selfish ass and everyone's freaking out. And then she's like, it's okay. All right. It's all fine. The play that they do between, she clearly loves him so much, but it's changed for her. Mm. And then he loves her in a different way. Is it's a great, there's great tension there. Yeah. Um, it's really clever how they, because when you first meet her, you, you kind of see like, Oh, this. And when she talks, she talks about how I just looked at Mitch and that's the only way I could get through it. Yeah. Um, and so she seems very naive, but then through her life, she's, matured quite a bit and yeah. now she can see I couldn't be with this person this is not healthy yeah I want a healthy life there's a lot going on there and just this is why we can bring it back to the beginning of we're watching this movie and I'm like this there should be a comedy oh, there should be a comedy category for Os- the Oscars because yeah but like the layers like the, the depth at which they're because, playing this yes there yeah. there is so many layers and so much thought and heart and then also it's just plain funny as well yeah that it, it should be recognized in some way do you think though um again so i think that their their relationship is the most that way i think that the others to a lesser extent um the harry Shearer, michael mckean um christopher guest there's some stuff going on there for sure the other group uh, the new Main Street Singers, they got some good lines. There's some funny stuff. The Witches in, in Nature's Color, that's funny. Um, I love seeing Jane Lynch 
Anytime. Yeah. Any place. I love seeing Parker Posey anytime. Oh, I love upset. Parker Posey. That she, uh, everyone in this movie should get more do than they do. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think that they seem to sort of the most one dimensional. And that's fine. I mean, not everyone. Like, you can, yeah, you can't devote that much time to everybody. There's work happening here that's not being recognized. Yes, yeah. is my main point. Right. And going back and watching it, you know, so it came out in 2003. So that's a long time ago. Yeah. And it just being forgotten, I just felt like this this isn't right. Whereas we look at you know the giants of uh, like the Oscar winners in drama. They have, you know, they get, they get to a point where it's like you say their name and it's like there's so much weight there. Yeah. And, you know, people like Bill Murray have that, but it's not even, and they even had to go, like they had to go to the drama side mm. to even get that. Yeah. I think. That's a great point. Yeah, I think that you, you'll, you'll have sort of these, these flashpoint comedies where, where for, and typically they're somewhat in the end, like not that deep of a reason, but you have like, you have like your, like your super bad or your bridesmaids or your things that were like, Oh, that's, that stands out. They still weren't Oscar recognized, but you still, but they, they stand out as, as movies that are trying to achieve something. Yeah. And I think culturally they, they hit a milestone in the culture. Yeah. But like Kristen Wiggin in bridesmaids, that's, yeah, she's going to she's shit. doing something in yeah, that movie. Yeah, hundred percent. And it adds to that movie's so funny because of the other shit that she's going through. Yeah. And she's really good at going through the other shit that makes when she's drinking on the plane, that that's funny because yeah. she's letting loose. Like yeah. there's a tension there. And if she wasn't good in the drama parts, that wouldn't land the same yeah. way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's uh just a, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's that's we've had this conversation about like um, like Rotten Tomatoes as an example. And I don't put I I feel myself putting less and less stock in Rotten Tomatoes. I wouldn't say that I rate it off altogether, but particularly when it comes to comedies, because I just think um, I mean on two levels. One, I I don't think that I don't think that a lot of people get some some comedies like it's like you. You didn't get what they were trying to do. You know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say, and so it just seems. Or they're they're looking for something that is completely off the wall new, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's always necessarily the case in comedy either. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is clearly jumping off of something else or building on a movie that came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. and that's okay too, right? Like um, well, in, the, in the Mighty Wind category, what it doesn't have the same cultural appreciation as definitely not as spinal tap and even waiting for Guffman in sort of cult circles is that cult sort of yeah. you know, standard Christopher guest. Um, and, and I love waiting for Guffman so, so much. Um, but to your point, it's like a mighty wind isn't different enough from that to be recognized as, Oh, they're doing something fresh and new. Yeah. Um, but they, they're doing something deep, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? And so I think that to your point about the recognition is like, I don't know if there's enough criticism in a good way, enough, enough attention and criticism being played to, um, to some of these movies that in the comedy realm that, um, that we don't have those conversations. And this is not quite the same example, but we recently watched the 40 year old virgin and I'd actually never seen it before. Okay. Um, and I was watching and we're laughing like the whole time. Yeah. 
Um, but I'm like, they are, they are having a conversation in this movie mm-hmm. and a very interesting conversation about men and sexuality and what it means and what it means to be a man and what's important. Mm-hmm. And ultimately Steve Carell is fine. He's okay. Like yeah. he's, I had always imagined, you know, with our crazy Christian upbringing, yeah. I had imagined this movie to be very pro, you know, men sleeping around and and ultimately it isn't that right and and the the one character whose name i forget he's the guy that's like sleeping around and cheating on his on his girlfriend or his wife at the end he's like i do this because i'm insecure and i'm like man these guys are like they're talking about some shit and Mm -hmm. and but they're using comedy to do it and and again to your point about like this is a way to have conversations that you could have that same movie as a drama or as you know and it would it just be so much more on the nose. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? So I think that all this to say, I think you're right about comedy. I think that uh, that we don't pay as much attention to what, what they're trying to do beyond the laugh, right? Beyond, and this is why I think sometimes comedy goes so broad is because they lose the, the plot of, we can still have a deep conversation about this and laugh at the same time, but also feel, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, comedy can provide that heightened reality where they can talk about things and it not be so on the nose in the same way that, well, anything, any genre can do that. Like great horror takes that heightened reality and then allows us to kind of talk about something that, you know, if you even look at like the Babadook, you know, we're talking about mental illness and all that. Like it's not, those movies can be really good, but there's something exciting when it's in the package of the Babadook. Yeah. Same with the 40-year-old virgin. There's something exciting talking about, kind of before there was even a label for toxic masculinity, yeah. talking about that toxic toxic masculinity with penis jokes and and all that. Yeah. It kind of uh, hits you hits you from a different angle. Yeah. It can be very powerful. Yeah. So, to, to, to your point, I, I, like I said at the very beginning, I love when, when filmmakers are really trying and, and doing something that they're trying to do something deeper than what it appears on the surface. And I have such an appreciation for that. Um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work as well, but when, when they give a shit and cause there's so many filmmakers that just seem to not give a shit. So when it seems like you, you could have taken the safe road here and you didn't, mm-hmm. um, because you want to do something more. Um, that to me is artistry. Yeah, I fully agree. I think we're, um, nearing the end here, but I think I want to like wrap it up with, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they all rush into the theater to see oh, Mitch and Mickey for the song. Yes. That's where it, it's a great moment because it pays off. It pays off the love that they've shown into all these little groups of characters. They they clearly love what they're doing. And when they gather around to see the show, and it's not just because they're going to kiss it's because they're the stars yeah. and they're like the pinnacle of what their genre is and and when they they have to be there for that moment it is really special it's a great moment in the history of humans <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can top that well thanks for uh, being on and yeah. chatting with me today thanks for having me and thanks for helping me revisit a movie I've always loved yeah I'm I'm I was watching it last night and the menu came on and the music and I was like oh man (laughs) this is a great idea yeah it's perfect alright thanks man yeah man what a great movie 
Nelson and I recorded this a few weeks ago, and it really was enjoyable for me to go through this again while I was editing tonight. These are the types of conversations I'm trying to capture, whether it's with this podcast or with the Creative People podcast. So if you like what I'm doing here, hit subscribe and be sure to check out that Creative People podcast. Each week I talk to a different creative person about their work and about their inspirations. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great week.